Welcome back to the Revelation On Demand podcast, a podcast dedicated to bringing you Revelation from the Bible. I'm your host, JD Justin D. Myers, and I'm joined today, as usual, by Mr. Chris Hess. How you doing, buddy? Hey, how you doing? And uh, I didn't mean to trip you up a second ago. I, I called him by his short name, which he doesn't go by anymore. So he's like, oh, yeah, well, that's not my name anymore. And there he goes, <laughs> saying, I'm JD Myers. Uh, first yeah. and foremost, folks, we do want to apologize about missing last week. Um, it was more my fault. And by more my fault, I mean, it's completely my fault. Uh, just a lot going on in the world, a lot going on here in the state of Missouri. Uh, so, you know, hanging in there, trying to do my best. <laughs> um, and we both sort of needed the the mental break, and I think that was grace from the Lord. What is also graceful from the Lord is our audience is so supportive that we did not receive any false rhetoric. Or we we didn't comments. receive any, any, yeah, any evil comments. Not even any worried comments, but uh, I guess most people probably catch this, you know, long after the episode airs. So uh, we'll just keep on doing this. Uh, we'll try and stick to the schedule this time. I should have just recorded one by myself, but I don't know. I just, I, I find this very difficult to do by myself. So, um, yeah. I'm sorry. So. I was missing an action. And, uh, by the way, it's a day late compared to, or it's a belated, um, wishful thinking here. Uh, what I'm trying to say is if you're a veteran of any of the four branches in the military in service to the government, mm-hmm. Uh, or to the United States at all, even to your fellow people, and you happen to be employed by, well, the Army, the Air Force, Coast Guard, or the Marine Corps, we want to wish you a very happy and successful day, because yesterday, as of today, was Veterans Day. So if you're catching this a day late compared to Veterans Day, like we're recording it, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, happy, Veterans happy Veterans Day. Happy Veterans Day. Yeah. Thank you. There you go. And, and I know you said four branches of the military, but there's five now, but I don't know if there's any veterans from Space Force yet. So um, we're working on it. Yeah. If if you're a veteran from Space Force, uh, happy Veterans Day because you qualify. Yes. So we'll, we'll <laughs> contact Buzz Aldrin and see what he thinks. Yeah. So anyways, on the worldly news, we're, we're actually getting rid of this section because uh, we tend to spend too much time talking about. Uh, things going on in the world, and I know that most people are probably tuning into this just to learn something about the Bible. So that section is going away, and if you don't like that, and you like that section, maybe you should contact us and let us know at revelationondemand at gmail.com. Formerly hotmail.com. Was it hotmail? No, it's gmail. That's Gmail. It's Revelation on Demand. Gmail. Check the description. It's in the description. You just click the little thing, and you know it'll take you to your email, and you can send us an email saying, "Please bring back the worldly news." And then, if we get enough, we might make a new podcast. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I've, kind, I've kind of decided this needs to just be teaching. So, right. if you got anything to add on that, or shall we dive right into the lesson? Uh, the only thing I got to add on that is. Um, yeah, so as he's saying, we're trying to shift things into a more teaching standpoint, less political. Now, politics are part of everyday life, so we very may well, and I hope you say yes, uh, oh. shift over to a, um, an additional podcast in which we can talk about current events. So why don't we mm-hmm. focus on the book of Daniel today? For those of you who didn't yeah. catch the title, we are currently in the book of Daniel. And uh, why don't we go over what happened last episode, Mr. Justin? Yeah, so last episode was Daniel 7, and and part of this, we're we're trying to be less political in the the daily, day-to-day stuff. We're still going to talk about the political ramifications of things that come up in the Bible, like... We're not we're not going to back down from the controversial topics in the Bible. All right, so uh, Daniel seven was his dream, or one of his dreams, I should say, because we're going to go over several in the second set of Daniel. And this dream was of the four beasts, which represented some kingdoms that were coming in Babylon's future. As if you can remember. This was a time when Babylon was about to be taken over by a new kingdom. And it was the people who were reigning instead of Nebuchadnezzar that that whole, like two kings were assassinated and two kings were were brought up after 
the assassinations and this is like the fourth king away from Nebuchadnezzar in the span of 20 years. And so it was a very unstable time to begin with. And he's having this dream of even more unstable times to come. Like there's going to be all these empires that come and, and, you know, take over the, the world, the known world. And, uh, they will were represented by these beasts. So, and then of course, at the very end of that dream, we see the final beast, the great beast, which, you know, some people like to say it's already been fulfilled. Uh, I'm personally on the, it's partially fulfilled side where yes, Rome was this beast in a lot of ways, but there's the ultimate fulfillment of this beast that has not happened yet. As we've talked before about how prophecies can be cyclical, they can have partial fulfillments, multiple times throughout history it's the final fulfillments that will signify the end times sort of thing Absolutely. so right and uh just to let you know uh daniel as a character for those of you who haven't been listening so far or need a memory refresher uh <laughs> since we were gone so sorry yeah anyway uh <laughs> um daniel's very forthcoming right mm-hmm. because he's blessed He's gifted by the Lord mm-hmm. to be able to see these things that he, you know, receives as dream messages, as well as being very perceptive from the Lord. That's how we interpret it into our daily lives as well. That's how we interpret a lot of messages. That's why we're going mm-hmm. over Daniel as well. Uh, all revelation topics aside, uh, actually, no, that does directly apply. You mm-hmm. want to be forthcoming in your life. You kind of want to know what's ahead of you, right? We always talk about, well, we win in the end. Uh, we did in our Revelation section. Uh, mm-hmm. So this dude, right, is having a lot of these visions. Previously, we mm-hmm. talked about uh, an embodiment of a suit of armor and a statue during the reign of mm-hmm. Nebuchadnezzar, the first king we talked about. Um, mm-hmm. Also, with these beasts, right? So that's mainly what he was going over. Uh, a second ago. Now, if you wanted to know any info going into this chapter, which you kind of need to know, we usually cover this in every episode. Uh, we're actually going to go back in time to the fifth king. Uh, I, Babylon is so confusing. Anyway, <laughs> it's not that confusing yeah. when you actually just talk about it. <laughs> anyway, mm-hmm. and um, if you remember from chapter two, this is where it goes from Aramaic back to Hebrew. So essentially, the book of Daniel, and uh, as well as all the books in the Bible, are constantly juggling or jumbling languages because it's all collected texts uh, interpreted mm. and and comprised into one finite book. But we do call those separate sections books of the Bible, mm-hmm. right? And then, yeah, yeah. So what we were talking about there in chapter two is that uh, there was a, a language change in one text like this is this is one one of the oldest texts that we we reference what happened was is that in chapter two somewhere in the first few lines it starts out in hebrew and then it starts going into arabic which arabic would have been the trade language of babylon it would have been you know the the regional trade language more like english is today or chinese it's this language that almost everyone speaks kind of like in jesus's time almost everyone spoke greek as the trade language even though they may have stuff like arabic or hebrew or other languages so you know back in these days it was not uncommon for people to have uh multiple languages but the whole point that they moved it into arabic was they wanted this story from chapter two to right here in chapter eight they wanted these stories to be accessible to the people of babylon at the time that they were being recorded so it also shows that daniel probably was switching to aramaic as his main language of recording you know, it just like if this is a language you're speaking every day, maybe you should write in this language too. And then at this point, we see maybe he's going back to uh, write this scripture, this part of scripture for his his uh, the people who are his people, not the people from uh, Babylon. So, and this is that, like you said, the king from chapter five. This is that that 
king that's just arrogant and doesn't uh, pay attention to the Lord at all. So, right. You know, the homie Belshazzar, who wasn't so much mm-hmm. of a homie, and Belteshazzar is Daniel's uh, Babylonian name is Belteshazzar. Yeah. Ironically, yeah. it was kind of close. Mm-hmm. So, and if anyone needs a quick refresher, this was the chapter in which um, most famously there was writing on the wall that Daniel said, hey, uh, someone randomly just wrote that on the wall. And they're all like, whoa, that could be a message from God. And Belshazzar just went, nah, dude, someone just went up and wrote that, that it was going to be the forthcoming of my death because I'm partying during a war. Anyway, Mm -hmm. does that make sense? Yeah. (laughs) So shall we dive into scripture then? Yes, absolutely. All right, starting at chapter 8, verse 1. We're going to be reading, for those of you who read along, up until... Oh, we took out the numbering. Oh, oh well. (laughs) We're reading the first section. It's at the next section. We're reading through verse 8. Reading through verse 8. They're on. Yeah. Oh, wow. Until... Yeah. um, Until... Sorry about that. No, you're fine, actually. I noticed (laughs) for a second time, and now I see that these verses are ever so condensed. Alrighty, not really. Opposite of condensed. Expensive. Let's go ahead and do this. <clears throat> In the third year of King Belshazzar's reign, I, Daniel, had a vision, after the one that had already appeared to me. In my vision, I saw myself in the citadel of Susa, in the province of Elam. In the vision, I was beside the Ulai Canal, or Ulai Canal. I looked up, and there before me was a ram with two horns, standing beside the canal, and the horns were long. One of the horns was longer than the other, but it grew up later. I watched the ram as it charged towards the west, and the north, and the south. No animal could stand against it, and none could rescue from its power. It did as it pleased, and became great. As I was thinking about this, suddenly a goat with a prominent horn between its eyes came from the west, crossing the whole earth without touching the ground. It came toward the two-horned ram I had seen standing beside the canal and charged at it in great rage. I saw it attack the ram furiously, striking the ram and shattering its two horns. The ram was powerless to stand against it. The goat knocked it to the ground and trampled on it and none could rescue the ram from its power. The goat became very great, but at the height of its power, the large horn was broken off, and in its place, four prominent horns grew up toward the four winds of heaven. So, we have a very confusing little vision there. Uh, So, the ram was... (laughs) Yeah... The the ram was the astrological symbol in reference to Persia. It was a a symbol typically associated with Persia. And you have the two horns, as we've talked about. This is the Medo-Persian Empire, which has this dual nature to it. But often it's just referred to as Persia. That was the over the overarching empire. I'm not sure if it was like a vassal vacillation or if they were truly equal empires. Just Persia was like the deciding empire or something like that. Uh, But often we get this dual nature. So the ram is, is representing uh, Persia. And of course, as we know, Persia, the, you know, expands Babylon's empire even further. And then we have this goat show up, which like hovers over the ground and just comes and just wipes out the ram. And this is reference to Greece, which it was coming from the same direction as Greece from the Mediterranean. So uh, it was not touching the ground, which meant it came quickly, which if any, any history buffs know that Alexander the great pushed Greece across, you know, minor Asia or Asia minor very quickly and took over all of that territory. So this, this goat is reference to Greece and that horn is a reference to Alexander the great. So, Uh, And then we see that horn is shattered and four smaller horns come up, which Alexander the Great, you know, he was this great conqueror. He he expanded the Grecian Empire. 
significantly. And then all of a sudden he died like kind of suddenly he was, he was not very old. Uh, I, I don't know if he was assassinated. Could have been, could have been, you know, like a poison or something, but he just died suddenly. And then he left his empire to four of his generals, which we get these four horns, which divided Greece up. You see the 28th dynasty. Oh, all righty. Say what? I'm reading all this as you said. <laughs> uh, I just pulled up a reference page so I can be like, okay, I need a timeline because sometimes <laughs> you know way too much. Anyway, that's great. I mean, not yeah. so great for Alexander the Great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and I was wondering if there was any importance to where he was of this, this, you know, in the citadel of Susa, in the province of Elam, and the vision, you know, beside the Ulai Canal. But I, I don't, I think he was just painting a picture of where he was when he had the vision, not necessarily important. I think it was important to the context of the vision, but not so important to like, well, why was he here? Because uh, the commentary I was reading did not mention that area uh, at all it was more focused on typhoid fever well there you go okay. yeah his, his liver disintegrated because of alcoholism is what they deduced ah. in the united states thousands of years later uh yeah they evaluated him interesting hmm. okay. so either way well, he did uh, reach his demise not in battle though yeah no and it was it was kind of sudden i i don't think he was very old for the time I mean, I think in, in those era, you know, 40 years old. So, um, <laughs> is there, well, that would have been an average lifespan. Well, uh, just below average lifespan by a decade or two. Yeah. He was 30. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. It says Alexander died between the evening of June 10th and the evening of June 11th of 323 BC. And if I go to his bio, it says he was born in. Oh, give me a sec. Why does it give you a birthday? <laughs> oh, 356 to 323. Yeah, he wasn't even. Yeah, he was like 33. 33. Yeah, yeah so that would have been, you know, 32. before. Oh. 32. That would have been before uh, they expected him to die. So, especially being an emperor. Uh, well, I guess that might mean a shorter life in some cases if you're a terrible emperor, but uh, getting up into the 50s was a lot easier if you had, you know, Healthy. as in, much food as you could possibly need to eat and uh, the best living accommodations. So uh, emperors, well, kings sure tended did. to live a little longer. Yeah, they, they so. would tend to, unfortunately, as we looked in, uh, as we look into a lot of emperors, uh, <laughs> kings, and all that such a this era um they were very lavish they exposed themselves to dangerous situations or even yeah uh you know phases such as addiction or they would take their privileges and essentially misuse True. them which True. i mean is you know is at the as it boils down um a lot of these guys were you know not right in the head so of course they're going yeah. to be diving too not just not discriminate against anyone that is I at times would think <laughs> I am. Anyway, <laughs> uh, they, you know they expose themselves to something that could very well well excess of use. Yeah, no, yeah, he he died of alcoholism and typhoid fever. So, yeah, that's unfortunate. I I get that you can be excessive. I just normally kings could live a little longer than the average uh, peasant at this time. So, right. Yeah. <sighs> And, and of know, course, mentally speaking, if they separated themselves like that, or even spiritually, if they took a lot more into consideration for the, so to speak, plebeians or peasantry, maybe they would have considered mm -hmm. uh, a greater lifestyle and for the benefit of their people. Mm -hmm. Much up to debate. We told uh, we said we we're not going to go into politics, although philosophically speaking and spiritually speaking, this is uh, much more relevant. Yeah. So. All right. That's all I got to say on that. If we want to continue on at verse nine, yes. And this, uh, for those of you just who needed that info, basically we were just going over when, relatively, this dude Alexander the Great would have been. It, biblically, 
biblically in the timeline, as well as how soon or before he was to Christ. So we are mm. in the Old Testament, uh, if you're still trying to find the book. <laughs> I have a, such a tough time trying to find the book in the Bible, I, even with the index. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm just going to pick a random page and, oh, close enough to it. Yes. All righty. Shall we continue reading? Yes, please. Yes, sir. Out of one of them came another horn, which started small but grew in power to the south and to the east and toward the beautiful land. It grew until it reached the host of the heavens, and it threw some of the starry hosts down to the earth and trampled on them. It set itself up to be as great as the commander of the army of the Lord. It took away the daily sacrifice from the Lord, and his sanctuary was thrown down. Because of the rebellion, or because of rebellion, the Lord's people and the daily sacrifice were given over to it. It, uh, it prospered in everything it did, and truth was thrown into the ground. Then I heard a holy one speaking, and another holy one said to him, How long will it take for the vision to be fulfilled? The vision concerning the daily sacrifice, the rebellion that causes desolation, the surrender of the sanctuary, and the trampling underfoot of the Lord's people. That was a question. They formed it as a question. And the trampling of the Lord's people? <laughs> trampling underfoot. He said to me, It will take 2,300 evenings and mornings. Then the sanctuary will be reconsecrated. So, as we talked about in the last, last episode when we talked about the beast with the many horns and the little horn, uh, this is coming back to that little horn language, which we... It can refer to Antiochus of the time, which was a, a evil king that would come soon in after Daniel uh, during the time of Rome. Or it could have been, it could be the Antichrist. And like I said at the beginning, this could just be Antiochus is the partial fulfillment, whereas the Antichrist will be the full fulfillment. So this understanding this as Antiochus makes most of the vision fully realized. So at this point, at this point in our history, it makes the vision mostly realized. Uh, there's still some things that don't quite line up with history. So that's where I always say, you know, there's probably a full fulfillment of this coming yet. And then there is no issue between the two visions, this one and the last one. Excuse me. Uh, if the other interpretation is to be taken, where we talk about that little horn being the Antichrist, then there has to be a new Rome when it's talking about Rome. It has to be referring to a new Rome. And we've seen that in uh, Revelation where it does it talks about a new Rome or a new Babylon. It talks about a future empire that will take over the world and, and just be the, the world government. It may not be named uh, Babylon or Rome, but it's this idea of what Rome was doing. You know, Babylon was the archetypal, uh, bad government, bad empire sort of thing. So if we, if we take that, that interpretation there, it's, it would be Daniel is talking about a future state that would come over and, and take over the area. So we're talking about starry host. Uh, by the way, not to interrupt you so you can catch your breath there. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Antiochus Epiphanes or Antiochus the Great? Because Antiochus Epiphanes, I believe he was also called the Madman, was uh, yeah, he's more directly related to Epiphanes. Epiphanes, of course. Yes, he is more renowned. Uh, his father, not as because much. the Antiochus we're talking about you know, persecuted the Jews when he was a right, uh, king. Yeah. And, and he, he killed and imprisoned a lot of Jews for their faith. That's the Antiochus we're talking about. Mm -hmm. So, which they did, um, uh, just for the record, make their own equity, uh, equities. There's such equity in this. No, uh, mm -hmm. that is not even relevant. They made their own Exodus, right? That's 
part of the practice of Hanukkah? I, I think I don't know. I'm not brushed up on uh, Jewish holidays. That's okay. We'll have so. to educate you. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, we'll, <laughs> okay. we'll brush you up on it. Yeah. 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 So it talks about a starry host there, and as we're you know prone to spiritual things, we often like to think of the starry host as you know angels or some heavenly force. Uh, if we take the the interpretation where it's mostly fulfilled when we're talking about Antiochus, then this starry host could be referred to Jews who went along with Antiochus's Hellenization policy. So, you know, he would require some of the Jews help to persecute as many Jews as he did. So there was some Jews who, you know, kind of renounced their faith or just, just gave in to his demands and decided to work with him. So it could be talking about them. Um, Or if we're talking about the future version, it could be believers that fall away or it could be referring. I don't, I don't think this anymore, but at one point I was thinking this referred to the angels who fell with Satan. So uh, I do believe this is more talking about believers who fall away at the end of times. If this is taken in a future uh, sort of context. So, yeah, I would look into your we, astrology philosophy, not into horology, because if you <laughs> it, the Lord and God, you know, aka created the heavens and the earth. So mm-hmm. I'd like to see stars as something of a more heavenly nature. Yeah, yeah. And I do too, normally. But I think in this context it's talking about people who were who were with God falling away from God sort of thing. So um, then we have this 23,000 evenings and mornings, which is a hundred or 1,150 days, which is about three and 3.12 years. And that's how long the temple won't get sacrifices. So if you remember back to revelation where we had this, this period of seven years of the tribulation in, in three and a half there was how long it was going to be until the temple was rebuilt and sacrifices resumed. So this is probably in reference to that sort of uh, prophecy where we're thinking about this is half of the end time sort of period. And uh, it not being exactly half, I think it might be referring to how it'll take this 3.12 years during the time to start the sacrificial system again. And then maybe the temple will be completed at three and a half years, you know? So, um, that's, that's where I'm thinking that's going with that. Yes. And in this time frame, and to this date, believe it or not, um, a lot of practices and you'll find it more so, um, you know, I'm not to apply modern politics too much. It's not actually, it's, you know, separating fact from fiction is that sacrifices do still occur uh, throughout many theologies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, but yeah. the Jews don't do sacrifices anymore because they don't have the temple now. Right. Yes. If we want to go into a whole thing on the temple, you know, I used to think that the Temple Mount was the location of the the old temple, but I've seen some new archaeological evidence that no, that that Temple Mount, the thing that the Jews pray to in Jerusalem, is actually the base of an old Roman fort. It's not actually the uh, the the temple. The temple is actually about sixty six yards downslope in the city of David, and they found some archaeological evidence that actually would be where the temple probably is. So. Right, yeah. Um, I learned all about that. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's pretty cool. The placard. Yeah, but the Jews still are fighting over the Temple Mount because they believe that's where the temple was. Uh, so they, they won't rebuild the temple unless they can be convinced that the true location of the temple was in the city of David, which I don't know if that's possible when they won't which, accept the new Testament, which is uh, weird. We found, uh, we found the clues. 
they found the clues, and uh, of course, several thousand years later, it was fought over, uh, which would now be uh, uh-huh. where is now the Dome of the Rock, which we've gone uh-huh. over. Yeah, and, and maybe they're just too proud to admit that they've been fighting over this old Roman fort, fort uh, foundation. You know, just spe- thinking out loud there. Um, well, shall we continue? Too much logic like that, though. <laughs> uh, yeah, be reasonable. He's a reasonable man. <laughs> and uh, lastly, uh, just if I could apply something that I was thinking about too when you talked about the persecution. Uh, during mm-hmm. the time of Antiochus, the madman, otherwise known as mm-hmm. Epiphanes. Um, mm-hmm. Epiphanes, the f- or, yeah, Epiphanes, which he would have been the fourth Antiochus, um, is sometimes this section is also applied to modern-day martyrs who have not renounced their faith and have been persecuted. Mm-hmm. So that is still a daily occurrence. I don't, I'm, this isn't even political, just something to be aware of, is that persecution of Christians, Jews, um, you know, God-given people who are very kind mm-hmm. are persecuted on the daily across the world. Mm-hmm. So if you've yeah. got something to pray about today, uh, you need some fresh material, that is something we all need to focus on. Yeah, pray for the persecuted church around the world. Yes. And, uh, Shall we continue know. at verse 15? Yes. All right, let's continue. While I, Daniel, was watching the vision and trying to understand it, there before me stood who looked like a man, and I heard a man's voice from the Ulai calling. Ulai. Gabriel, tell this man the meaning of the vision. <clears throat> As he came near the palace, excuse me. As he came near. The place where I was standing, I was terrified and fell prostrate. Son of man, he said to me, understand that the vision concerns the time of the end. While he was speaking to me, I was in a deep sleep, with my face to the ground. Then he touched me and raised me to my feet. He said, I am going to tell you what will happen later in the time of wrath, because the vision concerns the appointed time of the end. The two-horned ram that you saw represents the kings of Media and Persia. The shaggy goat is the king of Greece, and the large horn between its eyes is the first king. The four horns, excuse me, that replace the one that was broken off represent four kingdoms that will emerge from his nation, but will not have the same power. Hmm. Sounds like what I just said. <laughs> Anyways, so there you exactly. go. Uh, we're we're given the actual interpretation here in the text, which you know happens often with some of these visions. Uh, anyways, we see the angel Gabriel more than likely is this this messenger of God who comes and appears to uh, Daniel and offers up this explanation of his strange vision, and uh, we see. Daniel fall prostrate before this being, and as usual, we see time and time and again in the Bible where anytime man comes face to face with angels, they tend to uh, confuse the angels for God. We often see this 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 uh, kind of worship where they think they're worshiping God, and yeah, and sometimes or or like John where he was worshiping an angel, and the angel's like, "No, dude, get up, I'm." I'm like you. I'm not. I'm not God. You know. Which we did but in this case, recently, yeah. yeah. In this case, he wasn't worshiping. He just fell prostrate because he noticed that someone with more authority than him, you know, came to him. And uh, then he we he talks about he was sleeping, which could have been a reference to him, you know, dying. Is often when we see sleep in the Bible, it's not always talking about sleep. Sometimes it's talking about you know being dead or or being struck dead, sort of thing. Right, or even the term retire, which is, um, or, um, yeah, expire, which mm-hmm. would be in reference to time, um, and, or, mm-hmm. um, a, um, insufficient lack of energy. It, it, mm-hmm. You're the expert on this. I just know mm-hmm. from basic translation that, you know, of languages I yeah. once knew that, uh, that's yeah. how we look at more 
traditional language. It would have a more mm-hmm. direct meaning, and a lot of languages back in the day were yeah. uh, more directly associated with feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe we were yeah. more conceptual. Yeah. And this could be a totally, totally in reference to him, you know, be having an out of body experience. Uh, because we see that the angel touches him and raises him up. So he could totally be having this this sort of out-of-body spiritual experience right now where for some reason the angel can't, you know, talk to him through his, his corrupt body or something. I don't know. But we, we see this. It could very well be that, you know, he's prostrate. He's quote-unquote dead. And then the angel touches him and raises him up, which is kind of a, a, a mini mini reference to what will happen to all believers at the end times. So either this is an out-of-body experience or it's just like a, a mini show of resurrection where, you know, every, everyone will be raised whose trust is in Christ sort of thing. And of course, we, we got to remember, Daniel doesn't even know who Christ is. So he just knows that there's a Messiah coming at some point. Um, so he trusts in God and this Messiah before he even knows about before he even knows about uh, Christ and what he does, you know, so. Yes. Um, that's Shall cool. We? Considering that yeah. we are revelation on demand, we started a podcast as going over revelation. And uh, what's yeah. cool about uh, it, for those of you who are um, not sure about the term prostrate uh, to a certain point, even after we tried explaining it, which we did successfully, <laughs> you were always going to explain uh-huh. it, my friend <laughs> is, um, whether you're prone, the specific position you're in, how you're feeling, it's uh, this is commonly tied to the phrase "every knee shall bow." So mm. that is how we are most specifically drawing that out of body experience from uh, when mm. he just said, uh, "This is how all the believers will be associated with blank." Um, mm. Yeah, I, I can't rephrase you. I'm so bad at that. <laughs> you guys <laughs> communicate so well. Anywho, yeah. um, it's more directly tied to how this happening will occur for uh-huh. those who just needed a double check on that. Yeah. Yeah, and I think prostrate means uh, like on your face, on the ground, laying on your stomach, and prone means laying on your back. So, um just because you mentioned the two different uh, positions. Um, Prone is on your back. Yeah, I think so. Or, or like on your side or you're still, Oh, it's like, like partially up, like you're leaning on your elbows or something. You're not like prostrate is flat, flat out. You're not propped up. You're not even looking up like face down on the ground sort of thing. So, like, like you sometimes, I don't know if, if you've watched any recent uh, where they depict Catholic priests like laying on or kings even in some, some shows where they like lay on the ground with their arms out to the side and their face like against the ground and they pray. That's the kind of prostrate that this is talking about. Oh my gosh. So. Yeah. It takes me back. A random story. I had this friend <laughs> in like second and third grade that was doing high school work because he was a certified genius. And uh, he was already in graduate school by the time he would reach college. And it was uh-huh. pretty impressive. Well, he was trying to reference that and he tried to make a joke. I did go to uh, a Christian middle school at the time, or that would have been elementary. And uh, uh-huh. he tried to say that, he tried to mention something like, out of a joke to reference a fact, and it was true that monks would actually break their noses doing that uh-huh. on accident because they would have to do it for extended yeah. periods of time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't yeah. believe I just or, got that. Or they they get into that position too quickly. Oh yeah, I, well, hey, so, I mean, it can be pretty dramatic. <laughs> yeah, no, it can be pretty dramatic if you see these people who feel the need to lay prostrate before the Lord. It can be, if you, if you go to the ground real fast, you could break your nose easily. I could see it. <laughs> I guess so. that's where the term fall flat on your face. Yeah, it's exactly. That's, that's prostrate. <laughs> we know what it means so. now. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> you, you learned what 
what, what a word means, at least. <laughs> if you learn nothing so else. Terminology. Let us continue into verse 23. Yes, this is the last section for the day. So mm-hmm. please hang tight. <laughs> we are doing our best here. Actually, we always do our best. We're awesome. Yeah. Uh, thank you for whoever prayed for us and let us know. So let us know that we're awesome because wherever you are, all of you, you're awesome too. Why don't we continue? <clears throat> In the latter part of their reign, when rebels have become completely wicked and a fierce looking king, a master of intrigue, will arise. He will become very strong, but not only by his own power, he will cause astounding devastation and will succeed in whatever he does. He will destroy those who are mighty, the holy people. He will cause deceit to prosper, and he will consider himself superior. When they feel secure, he will destroy many and take his stand against the prince of, uh, the prince of princes. That's referencing Jesus there. Yet he will be destroyed, but not by human power. The vision of the evenings and mornings that has been given you is true but seal up the vision for it concerns the distant future okay oh last little bit i daniel was worn out i lay exhausted for several days then i got up and went about the king's business i was appalled by the vision it was beyond understanding so if you don't mind i'm gonna just uh point out a couple things i was reading there uh Mm -hmm. so we are referencing uh, for those of you who are uh, considering the ta- context uh, of oh, I went two sections up. <laughs> no wonder I was like but um, he will cause deceit to prosper and he will consider himself superior. We are talking about the Antichrist there. Uh, we've gone over who this dude is several times. As you know um, the Lord himself will come like a thief in the night, as well as mm-hmm. the phase of tribulation, revelation, thereon. So we don't know who this character is. We, we're saying from the get-go, we don't predict the future. We're not. We're eschatologists in a certain respect, though we mm-hmm. know for a fact, just coming from the scripture directly, when we went over the all of that discourse, we don't mm-hmm. know who this figure is. We don't know when this will happen, though the angel Gabriel, presumably, in this vision. Uh, he's conveying to him, hey, this is the true forthcoming or mm-hmm. uh, anticipation. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you know, this is the vision that you will one day see true. And I think from a soul level, from a spiritual level, that is true. Even from the heavens, um, I would like to think Daniel, to this day, will be able to witness when this is to happen. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that's very deep in his connection. And, of course, the Prince of Princes, mm-hmm. like I tried to go over, referencing Jesus, mm-hmm. and that's who he's taking the stand against this, not Daniel, but the mm-hmm. Antichrist. Yeah, yeah, and as we see, the Antichrist, you know, the devil, he's always trying to imitate God in what he does. So this this Prince of Princes is in reference to Christ, but there's going to be a quote unquote Prince of Prince uh, that comes up. But I think that with this, this little interpretation here, it ties it neatly to it being Antiochus. Like there's a few things that didn't line up quite well enough, but this vision not talking about, uh, it, it doesn't seem to come into talking about the second coming of Christ or the coming of Christ at all in this one. Whereas in the last vision, at the very end, it was talking about the son of man will stand up and, you know, be exalted to the throne and all that sort of stuff. So like this one, I think is more in reference to what's going to happen in history or what has already happened in history. Whereas the previous vision had more uh, openness to the end of it, where it could apply to also being this future prophecy. That's still future for us where the son of man comes and takes down this, this, this Babylonian beast, this, this antichrist beast, you know? So I feel like this vision was more for Daniel in his immediate period where it's saying, Hey, you know, Antiochus is going to do all this, but eventually like he's going to stand against Yahweh and all this, but eventually he will be 
uh, destroyed in it right there, but not by human power. Like this, this, this character is going to be taken down by God himself pretty much. So and that is cool. All things considered, we do see some, uh, I just was referencing it earlier. It's like, you know, Daniel gets timeline visions, right? That's mm-hmm. a more easy way. I was able to understand it uh, personally, yeah. but I mean, if you think about it comparatively, just based off of your mind, if someone told you this is the future of the entire kingdom of God, how would you feel? Mm-hmm. I'd be very exhausted to try to comprehend it. If it's beyond oh, comprehension yes. of the human mind itself and only to our spirits, it, you know, drawing that connection can be tough sometimes. It is for all of us. So, I, I mean, appalling is an understatement, I would think. And yeah. it is beyond understanding. You know, it'd be like... It'd be like uh, separating separating this from a real-life perspective. It'd be like, hey, in 300 years, let's say we all lived to the time that um, a lot of characters in the early Old Testament lived to, thousands of years, right? Yeah. yeah. And um, in 300 years, or I could say in your life, in 25 to 33 years, like uh, Alexander the Great, <laughs> I'm just kidding, um, you're going to see this man become the ruler of the free world. Or mm-hmm. you're going to see this individual go up against this dude in an MA fight. And mm-hmm. it's, by the way, it's the fate of the entire world. You'd be kind of like, yeah. oh, okay. So God is <laughs> the only one that can know that first off, because yeah. we did talk about how uh, angels get confused for him. But secondly, mm-hmm. how long would you need to recover from that? <laughs> That is yeah. so much mental duress already having to meet these. We make some humor, and there's actual memes for this, about how, uh, not revolting, but scary, uh, some of these angels could look. Now, for any of our younger yeah. audience, don't worry about that. That is based off of perception because a lot of these people in the past didn't have a good conceptualization or understanding of what could be a spirit or who could be mm-hmm. from the kingdom of God, right? So we, we joke about mm-hmm. it saying that they're scary. But essentially, mm-hmm. how would you be able to differentiate or compare an angel from a very powerful spirit or an mm-hmm. angel from a more powerful angel? Those exist. Mm-hmm. Or someone that's higher mm-hmm. up in the kingdom of God. And that's why we call it the kingdom of God. Is It's all an organized effort by the mm-hmm. one true ruler, the king, as well as the creator of all the universe. <laughs> so that's yeah. why you want to stick by your guns with that guy or, or mm-hmm. um, excuse me god I, I don't know if you took offense to that probably didn't <laughs> i like how he lets me call jesus that guy anyway <laughs> yeah and also on that point uh if i i know prophetic dreams and visions aren't everyone's gift but i've i've had some experience with people who have been given dreams and visions and i think i've even been given some at some points but uh, you can spend a lot of energy trying to figure out what it means after the fact. Like you, you can, and with such a profound vision like this, which, you know, he gives us in pretty good detail. And I imagine it was in more vivid detail the way he remembers it. And he was just trying to, you know, get, get the vision out there so that, you know, other people could exp- read it and learn from it. Um, or at least it'd be recorded. So he doesn't forget it, you know? Um, but these visions can be really intense. They can be very, uh, very energy intensive to have. And then to also think about, you know, especially I'm sure as soon as he was done with this vision, he, he spent the rest of the afternoon thinking about like, what does that mean? And like, like, what do I do with this? And, you know, do I write this down? Do I, how do I write this down? So I'm sure he was exhausted at the end of this. So it's, it's just one of those things. Um, I would have fallen but, asleep sitting up this time, though, instead of probably. <laughs> yeah, no, probably. <laughs> so, I kind of want to know more. Mm. I bet he sure did. Yeah, yeah. Um, trying to think of a takeaway for today. Um, well, here I got. I don't know. You. you do good. Um, Go I've got a good understanding of this. So, as far as it goes, and we've talked about this too, is with. Not as far as just interpreting a feeling, a vision, a message from Mm -hmm. God. How you surround yourself with things that are 
finite information from the Bible and applying it to the real world, per se. We need to be looking at the things that are most important to us, right? What is worth Mm -hmm. keeping cherished? Who is worth keeping around? That's my takeaway Mm -hmm. from today is how the Lord is going to provide us, how God can provide us guidance even when we look into the future, even if, okay, it's where we literally talk about the apocalypse here. Mm-hmm. Uh, doomsday, per se. Consider, in the most reasonable way, <laughs> stay calm, you're on God's side. Mm-hmm. Who you want to hold closest? Who's worth saving? Mm-hmm. We're all worth saving. Mm-hmm. Lord mm-hmm. even talks about that. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just want all of you to be reassured that this is what you need to be following with and mm-hmm. not just on our standpoint, but it ultimately resolves in a healthier lifestyle and, and ultimately <laughs> I'm going to repeat myself here is going <laughs> to save your life. It's going to resolve so many stress factors around you. And I think mm-hmm. that's, you know, the first thing actually that I interpreted from that last thing we read. So mm-hmm. what about you, bro? You got, you got a closing message too, don't you? I don't think so. My my brain's all over the place, but um, I think that was great. I think I you know, trusting trusting in the Lord is definitely what we're called to do. And you know, some of us are, will be gifted visions, and some of us will be gifted other things. And we need to be ready to use those gifts that God gives us to help further His cause. So, yes. I think you summed that up family. perfectly, man. Mm. Yep. All right. Well, thank you. You good? Oh, I'm good. Do you want to read the closing message or should I for you? Yes, I can. I can. I can. Uh, Thank you for listening to Revelation On Demand podcast. Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you catch podcasts from. Please, if you like what we're doing, share this with a friend, family member, or someone from your church. This is a completely private venture, and we receive no funding from any sources. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, please feel free to contact us at revelationondemand at gmail.com. God bless, and see you next time.